0: Hi everybody, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. We're starting off 2022 with a fantastic guest, Yogi Sharp, not spelled with an E, sorry about that. Um, and Yogi's, <laughs> but we've been haranguing trying to get Yogi back for a long time. He's known as the equine documentalist, and he has some really interesting things that he's doing. And I hope we can talk about some, not just the topic today, but some of the other things you're doing, um, because that anatomy uh, bit that you've done, I really want you to talk a little bit about that too. All right. yeah okay
1: yeah, all right
0: so welcome and thank you for joining me yogi so just um give everybody a brief introduction for those that did not catch your first webinar um, so that they kind of know what you're up to
1: yeah okay so yeah so my name's yogi sharp without an e um and i am a higher qualified farrier from the uk um just finished my bsc honors in farriery. um i start my phd early next year um, and while I was studying for my BSc honours I created the Equine Documentalist platform which is basically um, I saw it as a way of getting the research that's happening in the universities and, um, and sitting on behind paywalls on the internet and stuff like that on you know on Google Scholar and stuff like that and cre- and bringing it to the wider Population to enable um, better care of our horses from a scientific base. So that's what the equine documentalist was. And it just kind of, I initially started it just as a labor of love, just thought I'll, I'll share what I'm learning. And it kind of exploded. Now, um, now we do webinars ourselves um, and just lots and lots of education. Um, you know, there's so much free stuff on there. Uh, you can read all day long, if you like. Yeah, um, you do yeah, so posts
0: on, on Facebook, and I always find them so fascinating because I love how you have, um, you know, put lines and measurements on things, which I think that's a lot what you're all about, is really getting down to some measurable changes and things that we can all see. Because
1: Yeah, those. absolutely. I mean, objective measurements is a really big thing for me um, because I think up till now, the industry has been, quite you know ferry industry as well as the equine industry in general has been quite uh subjective in you know that horse looks this or that foot looks that um whereas I'm you know very hot on okay we'll actually measure that (laughs) um so that we can actually be a bit more objective and have a, a language and a way of communicating with one another that's not opinion but you know more factual so objective measurements is a, is a big thing for me and that's what I'm going to be talking about today so
0: yeah and i just think that's fantastic because you know like um my i'm a riding instructor that's what i've done for over 30 years and the thing that makes me crazy is that it's everybody's opinion about what the rider should how the rider should sit as opposed to actually looking at it from a measurable biomechanics perspective, which we do with every other sport, right?
1: Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) It's like, why don't we do that for the rider? Um, So I love the fact that you're uh, into putting some numbers and facts behind things, because I just think then we're all on the same page. Because, you know, in riding, it's just because the horse is performing well doesn't mean it's optimum. It's just yeah. that that horse is winning. And so yeah. what if that rider actually sat in a more functional way, how much better would yeah. it be? But we don't seem to have the political will to go down that track. Whereas at least with feet, I think that you, the the uh, hoof world has over the past few years, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years, I'm guessing, um, has really decided to take it to the next level with looking at things seriously and with uh, measurable instruments and things like that, which is really fantastic yeah. to the Absolutely. benefit of the course, of course. So, um, all right. So the title of your topic today is uh, recognizing the ideal hoof and objective measurement. So we're right on track.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs>
0: yep. And uh, do you have a, do you want a screen share or how do you want to get Yeah, started? I'll
1: go ahead and do that, shall I? Okay. One, one sec. Uh, let me just make sure i press the right thing. Hang on. Oh, I can't see my... Uh...
0: Oh, you should be able to.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, because the bar's in the way. Can I just move Oh, up? yeah. The bar's in the way of me pressing play. How do I... Uh, uh <laughs> I'm
0: going to see if I can find this. For... Okay, go left.
1: <laughs> and How I'll... do I move the bar?
0: I don't know. <laughs> you could... Yeah you know what you could unshare start your slideshow and then reshare it let's see if that'll work
1: Uh, okay hang on let me right sorry about this one second I can't press the play bit because it's not there (laughs) because it was too Um, high up
0: yeah I saw it
1: (laughs) okay right oh no because now I'm not um...
0: I take it right there we go there we go All right now can you press play yeah you got it is that
1: working yeah yeah excellent quite perfect (laughs) right okay yeah so so yeah so today I'm going to talk about recognizing the ideal hoof um, and how we can do this objectively Um, because the reality is is that Hoof balance has been shown to be a really, really important factor in lameness and catastrophic injury. Um, but the reality is, is that there's quite a low recognition, both by owners and professionals, of the external reference points that can be used to assess hoof balance um, in the absence of radiographs. I mean, obviously, when you when you get to that stage, you're, you're already worried about something, right? Um, so there, there should be, you know, we should all be assessing the hoof on a regular basis. Um, and this actually got was quantified by a study in, two, in 2000, um, Mansman et al. 2000, which actually quantified uh, the lack of recognition of poor external hoof proportions. Um, and the study found that only 10% of 50 randomly radiographed horses presented with radiographs that were considered normal, um, 40% of the horses were in a category that included inadequate caudal support um, and poor poor palm angles. Um, so that's a massive proportion of unseen poor balance. Um, and the same study discussed how to enable preventative hoof care that owners need to be made aware of any potential um, balance issues. Um, so a tool to to be able to show and assess balance um, can aid shoeing and aid that communication between um, farriers and, and owners and vets. Um, and so I actually considering this um, went about create, trying to create something that enabled people to be able to have that communication with one another. So i will talk about that a little bit as we go through as well. Um, so, it's just going to work. There we go. So, yeah, so we're going to talk about how to assess the digit, because obviously that is what Ferrari has a kind of direct influence on. Um, and of course, I think actually in the last talk um, that I did with you, talked about how that can then affect the rest of the body. Um, so, but we're going to talk, we're going to focus on how, to, how we actually assess the, the digit. Now, the digit is everything below the FET block. Or the metacarpophalangeal joint. So this is what Farry has a direct effect on. Um, now here we can see digit both externally and of course internally. So it's the uh, radiographically it's the phalanges we're looking at the proximal, middle, and distal phalanges. Um, what's important to understand when you the difference between ex- assessing externally and internally is that externally we only have two reference points. We have the paston and the hoof but internally we're assessing three different bones essentially so we're assessing proximal phalanx middle phalanx and the distal phalanx now what we see externally usually correlates very you know pretty well with what we see internally but the reality is is that when there's an extra reference point um we can have quite big differences and obviously there's massive differences if you have you know laminitis laminitis and those kind of things so radiographs are always really important Um, but we can tell a lot about what's going on inside from what we see outside Um, so we're going to talk about mainly talking about looking at it from the outside so before we talk about what to look for we need to understand how important it is to look at the digit correctly, um, in order to assess it properly. Because I see all sorts of photos from all sorts of angles, trying to t- trying to ask people, is this a good foot, or is this good balance, or whatever. And the reality is, you can't see anything unless you take the correct photos. Um, now, we to to really assess. Um, the digit completely accurately there's obviously technology out there that uses lasers and stuff to line up um but the reality is is that that's not practical or economical for most people in the field so um there are ways and i've created again i've created this app to enable people to be able to do that but coming back to photos so white et al 2008 tested the practicability precision and accuracy of the process of obtaining measurements of the horse's feet using photography. So they tested whether taking photos and assessing balance from a photograph was actually useful. Um, And they indicated that photography and radiography may be used interchangeably. So the photographic technique that they tested included visually aligning the heel bulbs as is done when you're taking an x-ray. And supporting the camera at the same level as the foot. So that's a really, really important uh, piece of this puzzle, is that when we're taking photos of the foot, you can see me in this picture. Um, You have to have um, both feet evenly loaded. You have to have the camera actually on the floor. And I actually put the, the camera lens on the bottom edge of the camera, Um, And just make sure that you're 90 degrees to the digit. And when you do this, then this is where this study, White et al. said that assessing balance from there is um, equivalent, assuming there isn't other changes in the foot, um, to radiographs. So you can assess balance pretty accurately from, from that. But taking the photograph is really, really important that you do that correctly. Um, now we can get some more accuracy by you can see on the left here by putting the foot up on a block similar as you would again to taking x-rays that just lifts the foot kind of up into um, more central within the camera um, so that's even more accurate um, but again there's debate then as to whether you have to put the other foot on a block as well, which you should really technically. And then it starts to become time-consuming and, and those kind of things. But that, but the reality is, is that the more accurate we want to be, the more time we have to put into taking the photos. But for kind of documenting changes, for assessing the hoof balance on a day-to-day basis, as long as you've got both those limbs loaded and you take a photo in what can be, unfortunately slightly uncomfortable position, as you can see there, um, then you can get pretty accurate uh, readings. Okay, so once we've taken that accurate photo, um, this is what we're kind of looking at. These are the areas of the foot that we want to be looking at. So we want to be looking at something that I'm sure most people have heard, who've passed an axis. Um, But also, there's some other things that we want to look at, we want to look at the what I've called there the hairline pathway in blue so if you follow along the coronet band and you follow that the hairline in an ideal absolutely ideal foot that should be perfectly straight so if we can see we can see the curve in this hairline pathway which suggests already even though this is a pretty good foot as one I shod um, you can see if anyone understands a little bit what they're looking at it looks like a pretty decent foot but if you look at the hairline pathway we can actually see that it's starting to curl back at the heels so that is telling us that there's a a degree of prolapse of the back of the foot so this hairline pathway is a really really good indicator of the health of the back of the foot um so that's a really interesting thing to to keep an eye on when you're taking looking at these photos and then the other thing we want to look at is the heel angle which is light blue versus the dorsal wall angle so i'll talk a bit about that a little bit further on um and then in the hind foot mainly if we drop a line through the from the back of the um metatarsal uh, that's what i call the gravitational load line and that kind of wants to drop down the back of the bulbs and then touch the back of the heel of the shoe and that was um another thing that we want to look at so these are the things we want to look at and then if we go on to the next slide um, this tells us kind of some of the established studies and parameters that we that we want to look for when we're looking at that hoof so what's important to understand when we're looking at the hoof and we're looking at the digit is we're not looking for exact numbers okay so that's that's the thing because people often say, oh, it should be 55 degrees, or it should be this degree or that degree. But the reality is, is that every horse is completely individual. So what we wanna be looking at is proportions and relationships um, and angles um, of the digit rather than exact numbers. So we can see some of the established ideals here. So if we look at the hoof past an axis, um this is taken from O'Grady 2003, but this has been talked about in study after study, after study, after study. Um, if we draw a line through the middle of the pastern, that should be um, close to or, you know, the same angle as the dorsal hoof wall. So that's a straight, that creates a straight hoof paston axis. I'll talk a little bit more about how to assess that easier in a minute. Um, another thing we want to look at is this, um, if we... And this is what you can do this really nicely from a lateral photo. And again, the app that I created helps you to do this really, really easily. If you take um, a line from the front of the hairline to the back of the hairline and you and you split it into three. The intersection between the first third and the second third, it correlates with the center of rotation of the foot. Um, and the center of rotation of the foot is obviously a really important um anatomical position for creating biomechanics around i won't get into that too much today because we want to talk about assessing stuff but you can obviously
0: about the purple and the red lines here
1: so the red line that has that goes along the hairline and then you've got one third of it back you've got a line that goes to the floor
0: right
1: yep so that is that line that is going down correlates with the center of rotation of the foot so the so that's the part that's the center of the distal condyle of the middle phalanx. so that's the bit that the hoof rotates around so creating biomechanics around that point is is been said by many many studies to be really important so and then obviously many of these studies talk about there being a 50 50 split in front of and behind that line, so that's where you can see the purple line or the the, the, the darker blue line at the bottom should be fifty percent um, in front of that and fifty percent behind it. Um, and if you if you take an accurate photo, um, it's quite easy to plot that, and then you can really objectively assess the balance in front of and behind that center of rotation. And that's obviously something that is. Hugely majored on when you're taking radiographs, um, but this el- a- enables us to do it externally, which is which is really useful.
0: Right.
1: Um, now, there's also here we've got the heel to toe height ratios, which you can see in the purple arrows. So this is the difference between the height of the hairline at the heel compared to the height of the hairline at the toe. Can you see the two? purple arrows
0: yeah and i think your pointer should now, work on the screen
1: oh does it can you can you see that uh
0: yeah no? there, there it is you can yep
1: okay perfect right okay so so the purple arrow at the, the heel so from the ground to the hairline at the heel compared to the ground to the hairline at the toe. So. There's been different kind of numbers thrown at this, but if you look at the Dyson 2011 study, and she also they also cited an earlier study, snow and birdsaw, I think all the way back to 1990, talk about there being a maximum of three to one, so three heel heights to one toe height. Um, anything more than that suggests a collapsed heel, basically. Um, so that's a really, really important um, number is the amount of heel heights to your toe height because that will also dictate whether or not you can achieve a straight hoof past an axis because that 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 ratio is going to dictate how your hoof is orientated um around that um center of rotation joint um because obviously the less heel height your hoof's going to come down this way more heel heights you're going to who's going to so that that's a really really important measurement to keep an eye on um, and and to, to measure in the first place. And I'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute because three to one again. I don't like putting any kind of um, concrete numbers to to a natural uh, structure because you're always going to have di- you know biodiversity you know natural variation. But it is, a, it is a good number to keep an eye on, because certainly I haven't seen any hoof that has more than three to one that has that can achieve a straight hoof-paston axis. But again, I'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but this um, Dyson 2011 study also talked about how the external assessment of the hoof can give a really, really good indication of both its morphology but also it's predisposition to pathology because we know, again, that the proportions of the hoof um, and how that affects the digit alignment um, is linked to lameness and other, other issues. So this is why this is important to do. So now, so what I'll do now is I'll, I'll look at each one of those different things in a little bit more depth. Okay, so hoof past an axis. So, it's pretty simple. Um, Now, we usually see hoof pastern axis measured like this, obviously, a line is taken through the pastern and then through the hoof, um, which should be parallel to the hoof wall. So hoof pastern axis is the relationship between those two angles. So in an ideal, you know, perfectly aligned hoof, you should have a completely straight line going through the two. Um, That is quite rare, but we want to be as close to that as, as possible, really. If we've got you know distinct changes in that angle, then we've potentially got um, a, an issue and we certainly are predisposing to, to, to pathologies. Now, the reality, the problem when doing this is that um, casting a line accurately taken from the dorsal wall and then putting it into the middle of the hoof leaves room for kind of human error. <laughs> For when you're, you're trying to get that line exactly parallel to um the hoof wall so um this is where i start to introduce hoof map so this is the the app that i created at the moment it's on um iphone um and the iStore, store and we are in the process of creating the android version um so if we look at uh, what it enables us to do so here we can see we're assessing the hoof past an axis so as i said it's difficult to project that dorsal wall into the middle of the hoof without kind of changing it a little bit Um, so it's actually more accurate not to try and get those two lines continuous and the reality is we don't actually need to do that we just need to know what the angle of the paston is and what the angle of the dorsal hoof wall is. So we, we just need to know the two angles. They don't We don't need to have them necessarily completely lined up, although you can do that with hoof map if you wish, um, but this is just um, an easier easier way of doing it. So here we've got a before and after of me shoeing this particular foot. Um, so we can see before we had a paston angle of 57 and a half, and we had a dorsal wall angle of 42.98. Um, so there's a huge discrepancy there in the angle of the pastern and the angle of the hoof. So this is going to hugely put strain on the digital flex tendon and predisposes horse to injury. And then afterwards, we've, we've obviously matched them much closer. We've got 59 um, and 52. So, um, so this is where we see what is, what's not ideal and what's much closer to the ideal. And uh, so this is what we're looking for in terms of hoof past and axis. And this on hoof map just makes it incredibly easy because it puts the angles there for you um, and you can assess that really quite easily.
0: So basically, because uh, I haven't explored your app, you, you take a picture of the horse's foot the way you describe getting right down on the ground with your camera closer to the ground. 90 yep. degree angle to the foot. And then the exactly. app actually puts the measurements on it.
1: No, you you the app has has templates okay that you overlay onto the onto the onto the image. Um so you just use your fingers and you slide the template onto the foot and you move it to where it needs to be, and then it will give you all the angles and all the readings.
0: Great. So so it actually calculates the angles, you just have to overlay the Yes, yes. So
1: all, all the readings it gives you are reading where you've put the template. Okay. Yeah. So, right. And, and I mentioned before about um, the center of rotation, about this is a really, really important um, anatomical point for creating biomechanics around. So, of course, we had to put that into the app. Um, and it because it's a really, really important thing for people to be able to assess. Um, and actually... When you start to use this template and start to put it on the foot, sometimes you can be quite shocked as how far out you actually are um, and how, how much toe length you have um, compared to your heel base of support. Um, so it really highlights it. Um, and so it, this, is not, this is a tool for farriers as well as owners, as well as physios, as anyone that's dealing with the horse. Because what, what it does is because it creates those numbers there that are objective measurements. It creates um, a, an ability for those different people to communicate with one another without being offensive.
0: <laughs> well, because... <I> was... <laughs> so that was the next question. It's like a uh-huh, horse owner gets the app and shoots pictures of the foot and takes it to their farrier. How do you tactfully tell your farrier he's been doing a poor job? I mean well you I'm, don't
1: you, you just show them the numbers so that's the that's the point the yes. point is you show the numbers and the numbers speak for themselves and that and that but but also it, don't this app is just as useful for the farriers to yeah, document no, I get their that. work I get that. document their work document their changes um, train their own eyes uh, but also there's, there's a lot of farriers struggling with like for instance you can see in this image where i've put pads on the horse and I put pads on because the horse has very, very low, weak heels. So, you know, there's some some farriers struggle to persuade their, their owners that, to spend the money to be able to fix an issue. But again, if that farrier can say, well, here, look at the numbers, um, it's a way of them having a tool in their box as well to, to right. express what they're seeing um, and explain the importance of it. So... So the idea of it is to create a language, um, an objective language that can be used within the industry um, that that can save a lot of those awkward conversations. Um, So I think it's brilliant. No, I totally get
0: it. And And I think the minute you start putting a line on anything, and I find this with Surefoot when I'm trying to explain to people the changes I see, the minute you put a line on something, it gives you an objective perspective. And from there, you can see differences because I think that the hardest thing for, especially horse owners, to see is is to see what's going on. They just look at it as a foot, and so the minute you put a line on it, you can say, "And there's fifty percent here, or twenty percent here." Yeah, I think it's brilliant.
1: But it is very important that um, you use it correctly and, and you're accurate with your photos because if you took if you took this photo um if you if you look at the ground level between the two photos you can see the ground is the same distance away um and we're kind of pretty much at the same angle and stuff like that so you know if you you need to be objective um and you need to be accurate in the way that you use it it's only as it's only as any anything really is only as accurate as the person using it isn't it really so um so unfortunately even with the evidence-based templates um it still has limitations of human error in, in taking the photos putting the templates on and those kind of things but used correctly obviously it can be an incredibly useful tool and
0: um, someone's asking if it works with barefoot as well as shod horses I'll oh
1: ask. absolutely i mean absolutely i mean um, obviously you're looking at certainly in, in terms of the base split here which we're looking at here you're obviously looking at different proportional values for the barefoot, because in the bare foot you're, you're, you can be anything between 60 40 through 50 50 to 40 60 depending on the slope of the paston um because the slope of the paston dictates the angle of the hoof um so di- so you you have to so don't don't go and take this app and put it on a barefoot and then see that it's 60 40 and go oh, it needs to be 50-50 because if you try and create 50-50 on a foot that's supposed to be 60-40, you'll just get blood. <laughs> so you have, to, um, you have to understand what you're measuring and, and, and that. But, yeah, absolutely, I use it on, on my bare feet. The, the biggest thing I actually use it for is when I'm transitioning from shoes into barefoot. So I use it to document the changes because you see the changes in the heel height to toe ratios. You see the changes in the heel angle to toe angles um, and all those kind of things. So I actually in terms of for for barefoot, I actually find it incredibly useful for measuring and documenting transition period. Um, So.
0: uh, Oh, wait, I just lost my question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it back. So, uh, and maybe you're going to talk about this a little later on and maybe I'm too soon with this question, but let me ask it anyway. You know, the measurements are going to give you numbers. And then of course we have to decide, then we measure that against what we consider to be ideal, but we still have to listen to the horse in terms of making those changes toward those quote-unquote, idle numbers, right? Because not everybody can actually, in fact, I've seen that with riders, I put them in the ideal spot and I cripple them. I have to put them in the spot that they can manage. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, you have to, I mean, there's things like leverage testing and stuff like that that you can do on the feet to make sure that if you, if you, Um, lift those heels up for instance that that the horse is happy with it and so there's 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 a communication that needs to go on after after you've made taken these measurements um but um personally like for instance with this horse um i i when i saw what i saw on the left there was no question for me that what i created on the right was going to Create a more comfortable horse, and you know, and without a doubt, it's completely changed um, the horse. And 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 for the most part, there's very few horses, in, in my experience anyway, um, that don't like a positive change um, right. toward toward the ideal. So, um, but anyways, going back to this, we can see, for instance, on this one, the base split. We can see. That uh, there's a 68 toe to a 32 uh, heel, and then we've got a 59 to 41 um, from there. Um, but also, interestingly, we measure when you put the coronet uh, line on there, it measures the angle of the coronet. Because this is um, in my recent study, actually, that I did for my degree. I found that the average of the coronet angle um, correlated with negative planter angles. Um, So that that will obviously come out when hopefully the paper gets published. Um, But but the the angle on the left is 33. um, And I think off the top of my head, um, the average angle for um, NPA was um, above... Um 27 or 28. Um, but don't don't take that as a figure. Um, but that just the point is is that when we do further research, um these these numbers are also going to mean more to us as we start to correlate them with things going on internally. Um but this coronet angle um is anecdotally, obviously for a long time as well, has been an important measurement for. Um, for negative plants or ankles and if you if you project that line towards the front limb um in an, ideally it should land around about the carpus um and obviously this particular hind on the left was going right up into the horse's um okay. kind of girth area so, so um so that so is
0: just just so that we're clear maybe you can use your pointer the when because the numbers are a little hard to read the red yeah they, are, they are, are a bit
1: blurry because it's that's the photo of a photo
0: right no i get it that's where your pointer can be so when we're talking about that angle on the left it's what is it 33.3
1: 33.3 so this angle it follows the coronet follows the hairline okay okay and this angle in my study um correlated with severity of um of the broken back alignment um and horses with negative planter angles had on average I forget the number now, um, but had a much higher average of this coronet angle. So it it has some correlation to negative plantar angles as well. So it's it's quite an important um, thing to to kind of look at. Is the angle of this is the hind foot in, right. the, in the hind kind, and
0: yeah. the angles you're measuring that angle, but I, I'm slightly unclear. This is where I was not the best in geometry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that that you know 90 is is vertical right it's a t yeah so from where are we measuring that 33 and a half degrees are so, so get- all,
1: all, all the angles on hoof map are um are off of ground parallel
0: okay got it
1: yeah so it says 26 degrees to, to the ground um or from off the ground if that makes sense
0: Great. So you're basically extrapolating the line to the ground and using the ground as your as your other yeah. side of your triangle. Okay.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So there's a question here, and I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, it says, yeah. "I'm clear if the heel is two inches, the toe would be six inches." But I don't think you've talked about inches. So no, no, one- I haven't
1: talked about inches. I've talked about ratios. Got it. So it's it's that the the height of the heel, you should have um. Well, I'll talk about it a bit more in a minute, actually. But it's the ratio of the heel to the toe, not not in terms of an actual measurement. Um, Right.
0: And then, of course, you'd have to measure every hoof because every hoof could be different. Yeah?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I do, I talk about more about that later on. So we can go on to that in a bit. Okay. The the ratios. Okay. So, right. And then, of course, I talked about the center of rotation Then, how important the center of rotation is. Um, And we can, of course, map the centre of rotation from a solar view um, before we shoe, um, or if if we don't, obviously, you can uh, measure where the centre of rotation is in terms of heel to toe. Um, Now, balance, again, balance around this point, as I said earlier, has has been stated as being optimal for hoof balance. Um, Dr Caldwell, in his PhD, discussed... um, summarised and tested the importance and the accuracy of external reference points, um, such as Duckett's dot. I'm sure many people have heard of Duckett's dot. Duckett's dot you can see is the green dot there at the the apex. Um, And he also tested the external centre of rotation achieved by this foot mapping. Um, And Caldwell again discussed that Duckett's theory stating that balance was theoretically achieved by way of proportional measurements. So again, this, we wanna measure proportions around around that point, which tells us a bit about the hoof balance. Um, The study found that the external center of rotation, which you can see as the red dot in the middle of like the crisscross, the red crisscross. Yep. um, That correlated uh, very well with the internal center rotation. So you can see on the solar mapping there on the left, that red dot correlates with the red line in the radiograph um, on the right-hand side. So that um, mapping system was shown to be very accurate in, in locating the center of rotation. Um, again, there's been lots and lots of studies that have talked about the importance of creating balance around that point. Um, Now, again, if you look at the bottom right, so this is, again, our template. Um, So the reality is, is when we put a shoe on, um, we can't see some of the important points that we need to map uh, the centre of rotation from the sole. So we can't see the end of the buttress. We can't see the inside of the white line if you've got a shoe on there. Um, So this is where once the horse is shod. Assessing it from the lateral view becomes easier to do and more accurate because we can we know that this um, one third of the hairline, as long as you're ninety degrees to the foot, et etc., um, also correlates with that center rotation. Um, so that's why that's where you know when you're shod, you you're more likely to want to use that um, lateral uh, marker than on your sole. Um, having said that. Uh, mapping the sole um, is a, is a, is what you want to use for when you're going to be putting the shoe on because you want to achieve 50-50. Um, but also, if, if we have a shoe on there, we can... So the widest point of the shoe should technically correlate with the widest point of the foot, right, if it's been fitted correctly. So in, in that sense, you can still use that crisscross um, to kind of gauge, um, or if you go just literally go across the widest point, because if you go across the widest point that of the sole, that correlates with Duckett's bridge um, as well, which is also the centre of rotation. So you can still have an assessment when you're shod because you can see where that widest point of the shoe is. Um, but it's more if that takes practice. So it's more accurate to do it to do it laterally.
0: So in other words. You know, sole mapping is a great thing to do, but the minute you put a shoe on, it's harder to do. And your app actually, if you take a good picture, can give us similar information.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So tooth mapping is brilliant to do in the process of shoeing. But once that shoe's on there, looking at the base of the foot is not as accurate as looking from the side of the foot as to ascertain if you've got that balance.
0: Right.
1: Okay. So. Uh, Now, I actually, because before we made the app, I wanted to double check (laughs) that um, this template actually worked and actually gave us the point that we we needed. Um, So this is an open access paper that I wrote, which it was published in, um, I wanted it to be really easily accessible. So it's published in the Forge magazine um, and you can read it on my website as well. But basically... Um, I I tested the template. Um, I took I think it was between twenty and thirty X-rays. I overlaid the template onto the X-ray and I measured how far the template center of rotation was from the actual center of rotation. Um, and I found that there was a ninety-five percent statistical equivalence. So um, basically, it's pretty pretty accurate yeah Um, which obviously um fit in with the previous studies that suggested it in the first place um but i wanted to obviously double check that the template was was accurate so so i did that myself um right so back to soul mapping we do of course have on the app also the ability to map the soul so on the left we can see um these again these are templates that you can use um, that are in the app to map the sole from a photo so obviously in real life you want to you're going to draw on it or whatever but you can map um solar pictures of the foot with them with the app as well and again coming back to the the hoof um and using these two different techniques we can as I was saying before about the widest point of the shoe should really correlate of the widest point of the of the foot and the sole. So we can use this template, which is in the app again, to kind of get a relatively accurate assessment of the balance around that sense of rotation, but obviously not completely accurate because again, we can't see those, those reference points, but we can still get um, a good idea. So if you look at this shoe, you can see the widest point of the shoe uh, correlates with the green line. And then what happens is, you you put the template at the heels, you put the template at the toe, and then you move the green line up and down, um, and it will it will change the percentages. So you put that green line where you think the center of rotation is. Um, and, and, I would and then think
0: once again, taking a good picture of a soul would be really important. Like Absolutely. Know. It's
1: always, it's always, <laughs> always subject to taking accurate photos. Um, but then that's the same with radiographs. If you don't, mm-hmm. if you have an oblique radiograph, you can't measure anything. So it's it's exactly the same. The, the image acquisition is probably the most important part of, of the whole process. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we can't obviously can't highlight that enough really. Yeah. Um, Right. So we talked about heel to toe height ratio. So I I did another study myself on heel to toe height ratios because I saw this three to one ratio. So I wanted to check it out really and see if it was actually accurate. So basically, I did this on my barefoot horses because I wanted to take that variable out of the picture. Um, And I wanted to take my barefoot horses that had pretty much straight hoof past axes. So you know a close to ideal digit, um, and then I wanted to measure those heel to toe height ratios and angle differences to see if you know three to one was a was a number to always use, or, or you know what was actually going on. Um, and obviously, as I've talked about before, if you look at these hairlines, they're all pretty straight from front to back. So again, I knew that these cordal hooves were relatively in a good state so uh, these were going to be relatively accurate measurements for the ideal um so what's also really interesting here is that these were three different breeds um and the i mean i did it on a lot more horses but these are the ones i've used in this example um and the thoroughbreds you know we always talk about thoroughbreds have low Low heels, long toes, this, that, and the other. But actually, if I if you took the titles off of there and you didn't know what breeds they were, you'd have a hard time recognizing which one was the thoroughbred, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the reality is is that, um, and I'm not going to get into it too much, but I've done other webinars on that and articles on that. But the thoroughbred feet are not actually um they have they may have a more acute angle, but they're not supposed to be as flat and low weak heels as as what we see um that comes down to the fact that they have a weaker composition but again I won't get too much into that um, because that's another whole thing but let's come coming back to this study so we can see the one on the left the barb he had um a heel to toe ratio of just under three to one the one in the middle had a heel to toe ratios of just greater than two to one and the thoroughbred had the same, a similar ratio. So I found that there was a variation, obviously in the heel to toe height ratios that would still create a near straight alignment. Um, But they were all around this two to one to three to one. And certainly there was nothing over three to one that had a, a near straight hoof past an axis. So I do think... That a three to one can be taken as a pretty good indicator of the maximum um, that is kind of getting towards um unacceptable um but um this just shows we can't we can't put an exact number on it because the three the same three to one ratio on the thoroughbred this in this instance would have created a broken back alignment mm-hmm. so um, so you know it's, it's very individual to the horse. So what becomes the common denominator is, for me, a near straight hoof pastern axis. So that's what becomes the kind of uh, dictates whether the others are are near ideal really. Um, and then so you can look at the heel to toe angles here as well. So if we think back to that Dyson study, they talked about um a five degree difference was an indication of collapsed heels but actually i found um here we can see there was a there's a, a maximum of seven degree difference and i've actually seen horses with up to 10 degrees difference that still have a relatively straight hoof past the maxis and pretty good hoof proportions so that's a, that's a number that needs more research um but coming back to the common denominator um, if you have a, you know, a wildly broken back hoof pastern axis, it's a pretty good indication that the angle between the heel and the toe and the heights between the heels and the toes is not, is not acceptable.
0: So, so if I understand you correctly, then like the, with this barb, he has a much more slopy pastern, which is exactly. going to affect the hoof pastern angle and yeah. therefore... You, you can't just go by a number. You have to look and go, this horse has a different slope to his pastern. It's going to be exactly. a different ratio.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's also going to dictate the slope of that pastern is going to dictate the heel to toe height ratio, the heel to toe angle ratio, and the, um, the bare foot split around the center of rotation. All of those are going to be affected by the angle of the pastern. So this is where we really have to appreciate the confirmation of the particular horse um, and bear that all in mind. Um,
0: well, and that leads me to, you know, horses that have a disease and so their pastures really drop, that's going to really mess things up, right? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that that's where you get on to more com- complex cases, obviously. Um, but as, as, a, as a general rule, you know, we want to be looking for a relatively straight move past an axis. Got it.
0: Okay,
1: okay so of course, um, I use these ratios and angle differences. I put them in the app because if it's something that I wanna measure, it's something that went in the app, right? So um, we have on the left, we have the um, toe angle compared to the heel angle. And on the right, we have the ratio. So the, the app, this template actually gives you the ratio of heel to toe height. Um, so there's, so this horse has just under two heel heights to one toe height. Yep. So it's it's a really, really quick and it, because you can imagine the nightmare of trying to work out heel to toe height ratios. If you're measuring it with a ruler and adding, subtracting, dividing, or you just stick the template on there and it tells you, but but what's important and, and what I want to kind of um, drum home is that just because this is 1 to 1.99 and another horse might be 1 to, to 2.99, um, doesn't mean it's wrong or right. But what it does give you is it gives you a tool to a, to document changes um, and to um, make assessments of all the numbers together and kind of make a, an, an, an overall assessment of, of your balance. with have kind of, again, who've passed an axis being like a, for me anyway, um, a, a common denominator. Um, so these, these are kind of, these are more, um, documenting tools really, um, for, you know, if you come back to this horse next time and you've gone and you've gone from one to 1.99 to one to 1.5, for instance, Uh, sorry to 2.5 then you know you're going the wrong way (laughs) so you you know you've got to then go oh what you know why are we going the wrong way why is this heel to toe height ratio got worse why is this heel to toe angle got worse etc etc yeah so it's a it's it enables preventative action if you're documenting um the feet the, the the proportions of the foot um, so that, that's where it becomes really useful um, for communicating as well. So the farrier um, documents these changes and says, oh, we're going the wrong way. We might need to think about why. We might need to make some proactive interventions here to stop this from getting any worse. Um, and, and vice versa, obviously, for, for the owner, for the fa- vet farrier, whatever. It just creates that commute that and ability to communicate earlier Uh, It brings up a really
0: good point because, you know, so often it's like over time you see things starting to change. And, you know, my classic example is I watched my farrier go through a divorce, and as he went through the divorce, (laughs) he got worse and worse. But with an app like this, you could actually document it and show him and go, hey, you know, maybe we need to get back to what we did before. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: And like you say, often these changes are insidious, aren't they? They're they're slow and they're progressive. So, um, so sometimes you come back and go oh is it is it better or worse is it is it worse well I, I don't need to guess I' put this on it and then I know if it's better or worse and then we can make an objective decision um, and so that's that's where it really changes the game um, so
0: um, has anybody started using this app in a pre-purchase exam
1: uh, I, I'm sure people have I mean it's I wouldn't um, Uh, not i don't know of any but it's just
0: an interesting thought um, because the more data we can collect on a horse before we buy it the better off we are
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely but then you have to factor in other things like hoof growth um shoeing style has the horse actually got bad feet or is it just you you know there's there's loads of other factors then that you have to consider um so but okay now a lot of these ratios that i'm talking about Heel to toe height ratio, the heel to toe angle ratio, um, all of these things affect hoof past axis, and all of these things come down to having a healthy back of the foot. Mm. So, being able to recognize a healthy back of the foot is really really important for us to be able to do. Um, so, so let's start with the frog. So, in the frog, obviously, is a, in the green, the red. Triangle. Um, so according to studies, the frog should be around 50 to 60 percent as wide as it is long, and it should have a shallow central sulcus and it should be pretty symmetrical in shape. Um, so let's move on to the bars. So the bars now I know there's some teachings that remove bars um and stuff like that. The bars have their own corium. The body wouldn't put a corium there for something that it didn't need. <laughs> right. So the bars have a very important role to play in the function of the foot, made, uh, for, for structure and for the hemodynamic system as well. If we look at Balker's third theory of hemodynamics, You can watch another webinar for that. But they have an an important role to play. And so they should be straight, healthy, um, and they should usually terminate around the centre of rotation as well. Um, But we need to look after the the bars. You can see here when I trim a foot, I like to sculpt them and to shape them and to create something of them because they do have an important role to play. Um, now and then we have the heels themselves. Now, if you look at these heels, these heels are nice and solid. They have like a triangular shape to them. They've actually got um, a flat platform, um, and they they're substantial. So that, you know, the, and, and they in the, in the very very ideal hoof, they should end at the highest widest part of the frog. Um, but obviously, you can have the different deformations of the foot. The ELPO, the Equine Lameness Prevention Organization have a really nice chart for de- measuring these deformations. Um, I haven't got that on here, but it's a really nice chart if anyone wants to look that up. But the, the heel should look something like this. Um, so being able to recognize and more importantly, not ignore the cord or hoof structures Will help us to maintain better hoof proportions to, to, to maintain all of the proportions that we've just spoken about. Um, now, unfortunately, the reality is what we saw in the last image is pretty rare. <laughs> um, certainly in the shod population that I see now, obviously, I'm a second opinion referral farrier, so I might perhaps see worse feet than are the general population, but even so. Um, when I just go to places, you know, I see frogs with deep sulci, contracted heels, um, you know, all sorts of, you know, contracted bulbs, etc. So if you look at, if you look at the, um, the frog on the top right, so if we, if we bear in mind the frog should be 50 to 60% as wide as it is long, that's, that's got to be uh, four times as long as it is wide, right? so the reality is is that this this is probably what people are more used to seeing unfortunately now interestingly the bottom two pictures on the left is a foot that i took out of shoes on the right is the same foot six weeks later and you can see you can see the changes in morphology um so with that, I invite you to watch, again, some of my other webinars because I don't want to get into it too much today because I go on for hours about it. But this this just really highlights the importance of a functioning back of the foot um, and a, a back of the foot that's engaged because um, use it or lose it, basically. Um, but I've done, I've done webinars on the hemodynamic system. I've written articles on the hemodynamic system, how important it is for the health of the foot and it's because of this it's because with a bad functioning back of the foot creates these deformations and these deformations are going to affect the ratios that we've just spoken about because those ratios can't be ideal if the back of the foot is not ideal so that's just that's where we need to start really looking and recognizing the back of the foot and that brings us on to looking at the back of the foot from this angle as well. Um, so because the, the the lateral cartilages, the digital cushion, uh, the position of all those can tell us a lot about the health of the foot as well. So in an ideal foot, you should have two symmetrical lateral cartilages that take up about a third of the foot each. And you should have a nice, plump, thick digital cushion in the middle of them, taking up all of that Central third gap. Now, again, the reality is is that if you're seeing feet like this, you're not going to see two symmetrical lateral cartilages with a nice deep cushion, etc. So we're more likely to see contracted cartilages, or no cartilages, or weak cartilages, You know, all those kind of things. So looking at the back of the foot is is often something that doesn't get done, but it actually tells you an awful awful lot about the health of the foot. So it's something that we need to start doing and recognising the healthy versus unhealthy. Now, uh, going back to hoof map, we can make certain assessments of these parameters again. So if you look at this hoof, you can see that it's very asymmetrical. The lateral cartilages are nothing like each other. Um, They're completely different angles of each other. The foot has different um, widths through the middle of the frog. So they, again, these are things that you can measure um, with the tools in HoofMap um, and document the changes. So hopefully you do something with this foot, next time you'll have different readings um, and you can document those changes.
0: And does the app actually keep them? the picture with the measurements from the previous time? Does it store it?
1: Yeah, so what it does is you create a file for each horse. Um, with their name, any notes, all those kind of things. Um, you, you take a photo, it goes into that horse's file and gets stored in that file. And then everything for that horse is in the file, dated and everything like that.
0: If somebody's asking if it works with um, composite shoes or opponent shoes. I, I would think it wouldn't matter what's on the foot.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a measuring tool. It's, it's a tool for measuring balance proportions um, of whatever. You know, actually, um, it's interesting because um, Dr. Table, Dr. Gillian Table, who I've done a few webinars with, she's a physio. She's also very big on objective measurements, and she actually wrote her PhD on objective measurements for physiotherapy. And she and she actually said that many of these tools are very useful for objectively measuring the horse, um, let alone the foot, because basically. They're proportional measurements, angular measurements, and those kind of things, which you can measure whatever you want. Um, obviously, we have specific ones. You know, they're designed um, for purpose for the foot, but they can be used for anything. Um, so, you know, you can measure, I don't know, measure sofa if you want. But it's you know, it's it's the it, the point is it gives you proportional and angular measurements. Um, so yeah. Right, and then obviously, um, you know, we see these um, media lateral imbalances, which we just saw in that last um, picture. We also want to measure coronet angles, um, the, the angles from side to side, measuring those. So again, um, you know, pretty obviously, we want to have a pretty symmetrical hoof um, with a straight coronet band. Um, so that's another um, measurement that we can take um the reality is is that if those all the measurements from the back and from the underneath are not correct you know more than likely these this isn't going to be ideal either um but basically i come up with a kind of general rule and um i think dr caldwell says this a lot as well he says um if it looks right, it probably is right, and if it doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. So you know, we, you know, humans are kind of drawn to symmetry and and that. And and although nature's not not perfect, and we're going to have asymmetry. Asymmetry is perfectly natural thing. It's a normal thing in nature. Um, gross asymmetries that are very visible to the human eye uh, you are usually pathological. So. Uh, And then we quickly come on to x-rays, because inevitably, if we have poor hoof balance for a long period of time, we're probably going to end up with um, lameness issues. And usually with lameness issues comes radiographic assessment. Um, And so obviously we threw into the app um, tools for measuring um, radiographic um, markers as well. So we've got these little green um circles with dots that you can put on your sensors of rotation you can measure the Palmer angle then again you can measure the hoof the base um, split and you can also measure the differences in the angles of the phalanges so um i'm not going to get into too much into that because really you want to be discussing these things with vets so i'm not going to get into that too much but um but again, it, it's a useful tool for, for farriers, for vets, well, for anyone really, to, to, for assessing podiatry uh, parameters from radiographs. So, in the ideal, as we talked about in the externally, so I talked about the difference externally and internally. Externally, we want a, a relatively straight hoof past an axis, so the relationship between the pastern and the hoof. Internally, we want to have a relatively Straight line of axis between the phalanges. So, if you look on the right, you can see top the proximal phalanx is at sixty-seven, middle is at fifty-six, and the distal is at forty-three. <clears throat> so, in an absolute ideal, you'd have the same angle going all the way through those. Um, now, again, the absolute ideal is extremely rare. But again, if we have, you know, gross um, differences then, you know, we, we are shown by study after study, we are predisposed to, to injuries. Um, now, talking about the palmer angle or plant angle, which you can see I've measured there, so that's the angle of the bottom of the pedal bone, um, what I want to drum home and use that as an example to drum home the point is that we're not measuring although it although it gives you exact measurements um, those exact measurements are not something that you can't dictate an exact angle for anything okay you can't so coming back to the hoof angle you can't say all horses should have a 55 degree hoof angle and and historically in textbooks they that 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 has happened Mm -hmm. you know they say the front hoof should be this hind hoof should be that horses uh, there's biodiversity, there's natural variation, they're all going to have different hoof angles, pastern angles, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, coming back to the Palmer angle, it's really important that we understand that the same way that a, sh- a near straight hoof pastern axis becomes the common denominator for those other measurements, a near straight for land dual alignment becomes the common denominator for the correct planter angle or Palmer angle. Because if we have two horses that pluck a number out of the sky, should have a 50 degree hoof angle in order to have a near straight hoof past an axis. But one of them has a 45 degree bone angle. He only needs a five degree palmer angle to achieve 50 degree hoof angle. Another horse might have a a 40 degree bone angle, in which case, to have the same 50 degree hoof angle, that horse needs a 10 degree palm angle. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the bone, the hoof angle is created by the bone angle plus the palmer angle, creates the angle of the hoof.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, but horses can have different bone angles. So, different bone angle would dictate a different p- palmer angle, because to achieve the same hoof angle. Okay. So, this is again, this is where you know, although we can measure palmer angle, you know, we can measure palmer angle. Um, just because it has a five-degree palmar angle, which is a number that's thrown out there a lot for the ideal, doesn't mean that that's ideal for that horse because that horse could need to have a 10 degree palmer angle for that, for its confirmation. So again, you know, we we have to be careful not to put exact numbers when we're trying to assess these balanced parameters and these, and these angles, we need to look at the bigger picture and the bigger picture is mechanics of the whole digit that look after the soft tissues. Right. Um, and and that comes down again comes you know I've talked I've done webinars on this as well talking about the importance of phalangeal alignment that's actually a free webinar that you can watch on YouTube talk, we, and I talk about it with um, Dr Myers and, and Sylvia Corner they, we talk about the importance of phalangeal alignment so for me um, straight hoof axis and a near straight phalangeal alignment becomes the common denominator for these measurements. So um,
0: bottom line, line up the bones and things are gonna fall into place.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, if we have to think about these things as, um, you know, from a mechanical point of view, mechanics, you know, basic mechanics, these are, they're levers and pulleys. And if you um, if you extend the lever, then you strain a pulley. Right, um, So, I like what's you know, going
0: on in these pictures. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly so basically it comes down to the fact that if we have poor balance parameters and we we don't recognize them then we're leading to pathologies throughout the whole digit but also this has a knock on effect into the whole horse um so so assessing the hoof is not just about looking after the hoof or the digit but it's about looking after the the entire animal um and these, these radiographs on the bottom, courtesy of Wayne Turner, a friend of mine, progressive equine, um, these are the kind of bone alignments that we want to be seeing, right? So there, there's nearly a straight line going through compared to the ones on the top, where you have almost a right angle between the proximal phalanx and the, and the distal phalanx. And we actually have negative plantar angles there. So, um, And again, what we see externally, is gonna have it's gonna give us a very very good indication of what's going on internally. So that's where um, taking these photos, regularly um, assessing the hoof and making these kind of documentations and monitoring the hoof um, becomes very important for well looking up, you know for yeah looking after the horse basically so
0: yeah, because the horse that's, on the top there, I'm sure that all your red arrows are all the places that horse is going to feel strained based on that foot.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that that's actually that actually comes from my um my degree study. Um these are all points that were proven to be affected by um, poor hind hoof uh, proportions. Um so yeah, so it affects the horse all the way through its body. Yep. So that's that's that. That's me. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> cool. All right. So so I have a question for you because you've been. How long have you been doing mapping like this now?
1: Um, I've been that's doing it for a few years, um, but I've been. But I found it. It's, it's very difficult to do without the app. That's the reality because what I was having to do is I was having to take photos. And then I was having to go home, upload it onto the computer, put it into PowerPoint for instance, and then draw all these lines on it with PowerPoint to get. Um, and then and then I was having to take a protractor. Oh God! <laughs> and, right. So I thought, right, enough of this. Um, actually, it was a friend of mine, and partner in in the in the hoof map, um, um, Mitchell Wood, who came to me and said. We need, we need an app for measuring hoof balance. And he had these particular templates, um, which um, I, ch- I changed to, to, to be more in line with what was scientific evidence-based, um, according to the studies. And, and that's where we created HoofMap, because we were both fed up of the whole rigmarole of trying to objectively assess our hooves and our digits without having something that was quick and easy and practical to use. Like so that, I mean, like I said earlier, there are products out there. I won't mention them because I don't think it's fair to do that. There are products out there that ha- that are more accurate um, because they line things up with lasers and stuff like that. Um, but the reality is is that that massively restricts who can use it. How often you use it, um, how practical it is and how how instant it is, um, so, as well, because these things need to be loaded into computers and stuff like that.
0: So just from a practical perspective, having the app has decreased the amount of time it's taken you to analyze a foot one. Yeah. But it yeah. also allows you to do that in real time, standing next to an owner.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I take the photo. So I turn up to a job. And I say, Oh, I don't like the look of our proportions. Um, I can and they go, Oh, really? And I could go, yeah, take a photo there and then, yeah, this is this is where we're at, you know. So it, it's that instantaneous um, practical usefulness of it um, that enables you to have that proactive discussion there and then, right? Um, which which can be a game changer, really. So
0: it's really a field app, if you will. It's ah,
1: absolutely Yep. absolutely and, and the, the reality is is that yes you do lose a little bit of accuracy with a field app but what you gain is um instant gratification and you gain the ability to make decisions there and then with the client and, and those like, kind of things
0: i was going to say in compliance where you're not trying to convince them you can show them so that they they, they you're educating them at the same time yeah exactly they understand right. what's going on with their horse so since yeah. you've had the app what's the most profound uh uh discovery that you've made what is it how has it changed your life it,
1: <laughs> i think the biggest i think the biggest thing is the thing is is it became it came as part of another journey so it's difficult to know which one kind of affected which if that makes sense but well, what was the other what, journey well just recognizing how much poor hoof balance there is ah really um was was um kind of that created the app but at the same time the app kind of cemented the that recognition of just how if you go back to that dyson 2011 study um, and other studies the reality is is that poor hoof proportions are more common than good hoof
0: proportions Mm
1: -hmm. and that that's been shown by science Um, and and what happens
0: is that people get used to seeing something and stop recognizing it as pathological or not good?
1: Exactly, and, and if we go back to what I said right at the beginning, um, that that was shown by that study all the way back in two thousand, Mansman et al. That said that there is actually quantified the lack of recognition. Yeah, uh, it was that they took they took random horses, radiographed them, and forty um, percent of them had um you know really quite poor hoof proportions that wasn't recognized and and that's a reality and i think it's i think it's great the numbers greater than that in all honesty
0: yeah Um, and so uh, you know ultimately what we're trying to do is get a hoof in a better balance so that we don't wind up down the road with you know tendon failure or back pain or you know poor performance or all the other things that you know no foot no horse it goes right back
1: absolutely but in order to do that you need to recognise. That you're that you're in the wrong place. That you're not you're not there. And yeah. uh, objectively, rather than rather than say, oh, the toes look a bit long. That you, you, you know, the, the farriers get offended because somebody comes along and says, oh, well, the hoof balance is not very good, or you know, you've got a long toe. Um, they get that that because that is offensive. But if you say, well, hang on, then this is what the numbers are saying then it, it creates a more objective language that's more engaging.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and you can start to have a conversation. Um, you know, as, right. as long as you're as long as you're that way inclined anyway. Yeah.
0: No, it's great. Somebody's asking if it's available for Android.
1: Yeah, we we not yet. It is being built as we speak. Um, and we're hoping for it to be ready um, by end of March. So, not um, long, and, hopefully.
0: Um, somebody's asking if there's a relationship between, and this is kind of off topic a little bit, but ECVM and high low.
1: Between what? Sorry?
0: ECVM, equine complex, uh, vertebral malformation, and horses oh. with high low.
1: Um,
0: kind of off topic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the reality is probably, but I don't know. I don't think the study's been done yet. I don't like to. um I, I don't like to spout anecdotal stuff i i like to see numbers and and papers um so probably you're
0: great you're great you keep, you keep <laughs> it back to the to the data um yeah how many horses can you track in the app
1: um that's a question i have to ask the developers but i've got hundreds in there <laughs> okay so yeah
0: i would think that it it's if your phone can hold the data, I'm sure it's not. Oh, uh, okay.
1: yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we are working on updates. So we're working on the ability to um, extract the files to send to vets and this kind of stuff. Um, so there's lots of things in the pipeline as well. So we, we're going to be improving and building on it as well. So I'm really okay. excited for it.
0: Somebody's asking if you can identify syncing with this. I think you have to... do uh,
1: radiograph Radiographically... Um, possibly no so, okay so they mean they mean founder they mean when the okay. when the bone is sunk in the in the hoof capsule um, you need radiographs to do that um, and you need to have markers on the hoof capsule in order to do that um, so if you're going through all of that you might as well have the vet mark it up with their um, on the radiograph so um
0: yeah um and you, this question... you, i mean i'm sure oh go ahead didn't mean i'm happen.
1: sure that there, there's a way you can like for instance the other day i used um the heel to toe height ratio i used that to to test the difference in um dorsal wall thicknesses and a laminetic which worked really well so um, so you can use the, the measurements for whatever you want to put them to um but uh, you need to have the right markers on the foot. So if you're going through all that, you might as well get the vector.
0: Yeah, take X-rays. Um, this this is a question that I really think is, uh, I'm going to ask it, but it doesn't really fit, okay? It says, my barefoot <laughs> Frisian tends to get split in the center of his front hook. Is that because he bra- his breakover point is incorrect? Is it sufficient for the farrier to rasp off some toe to alleviate the problem? And I think I kind of know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I don't have enough information. I need to see the foot really. Um,
0: but you could use the app to look at the foot to figure out if. Yeah, you can alive. certainly
1: you can set you can assess balance from with the app. Um, but there's yeah. other there's other things at play there. There could be you could have seedy toe. You could have underlying white line disease. You could have. It depends if it's coming from top to bottom or bottom up, bottom up, because uh, you could have a um, a damage to the um, to the coronet bands um so i'd need to see the crack and i'd need to get some more info. but very often yes cracks can, are caused by by leverage so possibly but I, I would need to see the foot to really answer that great
0: all right let's let's go ahead and have you unshare your screen and we'll wrap this up uh, um, th- this has been really interesting so one of the things that i wanted to mention to everybody is that is that right now you are planning to be in the united states in april
1: that's right yes you want
0: to tell us a little bit about what that's going to be all about
1: um so I'm, I'm coming over to do two conferences one is in okay now let me get this right ipswich yes yes ipswich um that's for the humble hoof um and i'm going to be talking about um posture and hoof morphology i believe um, and then, and, but I'm going to be doing a demo, um, to x rays. Um, and then I'm going to be talking at the Rude and Riddle Conference in Lexington, um, which is going to be fantastic. It's going to be an absolute honor to talk there, especially um, who I'm talking alongside, um, which is going to be Renat Weller and Philo Fowl, which obviously are two legends of the industry um so i'm very very honored to be speaking at that um and i'm going to be talking i'm going to be doing four hours of lectures and demos there i'm going to be talking about the hoof the hoof horse connection and i'm going to be that's where i'm going to be exclusively sharing the my whole um degree study
0: awesome that's really exciting so it turns out that when you come over here i'm supposed to head over to the other side of the pond to go to oh, Equitana. No. <laughs> I know I'm like I can't be in three places there's three to four different events on the exact same weekend right now it looks uh, like yeah. I'm going to Equitana because I have uh uh you know demos and things to do there but but if for for whatever reason that doesn't happen you're my next choice is to come well to hopefully
1: COVID lets us go anywhere anyway so, yeah,
0: I'm. I, I exactly. It's like you make plans, <laughs> but you always have a caveat on yeah. them these days.
1: Well, I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in Cyprus doing a clinic in February, and then Madrid in March. Um, but who, who knows? Like you just yeah. you just don't know, do you?
0: No, we just, like I said, you have to make plans, but you have to be ready for the plans to change. Exactly. So I'll be at Hoof Summit actually. Um, the end of this month. We go every year. Oh, cool. Yeah. We have a booth. Yeah. So someday you'll probably be there too.
1: Yeah. Probably, probably, yeah, It's a bit expensive to pop over the pod for that, but yeah. I'll come definitely come one day. Maybe they'll ask me to speak and then it'll be cheap. Yes, exactly.
0: That's what I'm thinking. They should ask you to speak <laughs> and that would be great. But, um, Yogi, this has been great. I really enjoy listening to what you've developed here. And I think it's a fantastic tool to just help bridge that gap between you know, what's really going on and what we, what we can't see. So often what I find is when I look at a foot, I'm just like, I, I, you know, I'm not sure that that's really what I want to look at, but I can't Duck. tell you because the foot is such an interesting shape. Um, it's not, you know, conceptually for me, it's a, it's a, a difficult shape. I've been trimming my horses for years. And yet I still look at that foot and go, do I understand this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's yeah. really fantastic that you put some numbers to it. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us about your health
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me again. Yep. I enjoyed it. All
0: right. Well, hopefully one of these days we'll catch up and see each other in person. In the meantime, just remember everybody, you can find this and all the other webinars on the Surefooty Klein YouTube channel. We'll get it posted up there pretty soon. And, uh, and thanks everybody for joining us. Have a great Thank day. Thank you. Thanks again, Yogi. Bye. Bye.